0: YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. Hi, my name is Holland, and I was a little bit upset last night because today is Veterans Day, and my dad has to go And he was in the Marine Corps, and I wanted to give him a card. And I felt really, really sad last night. And I hope you get to spend time with your children and family on Veterans Day. Bye. So that was my oldest daughter, Holland, who's seven years old. And uh, I'm recording today on Veterans Day because I have to leave out of town. I'm going to teach post-traumatic purpose to... The brothers and sisters of Fort Wayne, Indiana Fire Department, and South Bend, Indiana Fire Department. And I gotta leave all week. And last night I was packing my bags and I heard my daughter in there crying and she was telling her mom, I actually heard her, and she says, Daddy's never around anymore. And it stopped me in my tracks and I thought I heard that and then they kept talking and then she said it again. She says, But he's he's just never around. And man, that was that was an instant gut punch to me. Um, and it made me within, within the snap of a finger, start rethinking everything I'm doing. And that's what I talk about in all of this, creating your own light and becoming healthy and taking care of yourself and taking care of other people around you. But how do you balance that? And that's the magic trick that I don't think anybody can really figure out. See, I know what I do is important work, but also my family is important to me. And to hear the truth come from a seven year old and to, to hear that she truly feels that I'm not around, then it breaks my heart and it makes me just want to quit everything that I do because the only thing that i you know, I think I can speak for everyone. The only thing that really matters is, is our family, right? And I've worked really hard to get to where I am, to be able to do what I do to where I'm not, you know, um, just scraping by trying to get from comedy club to comedy club to comedy club. I've made it past all of that where I was on the road 43 w- weeks a year just to make ends meet and to be able to um, craft my skill. I've gotten away from that and I'm home more and, and I'm happy that I'm home more. I found I found peace in buying my farm and I found the thing that, that really helps me um, put life into perspective. I have a place I can get away to and so when I went in there to talk to my daughter and I asked her why she feels that way, this is exactly what she said. She goes, daddy, you're always working or you're either at the farm, but you're never here anymore. And it just, and it sucked. And it's, it made me think that, um, you know, kids, I don't think they understand it the way we do. Like she doesn't understand. I, uh, you know, like I say in past episodes, we've talked about having these conversations with your children, but do they really understand and do they really are they really comprehending the, our need for peace? And that, that summed it up for me. That ain't, I, I think I realized last night that at her age of seven, she knows that I do leave, but she doesn't understand why. And I, that's just a can of worms that I can't open because it's going to confuse her and it might even scare her if I'm 100% honest with her about why I leave and why I go out to my farm and to the place that makes me so happy. But it immediately made me regret having that place, that safe space, that place that I need, that place that I crave, that place that I thrive in, that place that makes me a better father. It makes me a better human being, a better husband, a better friend, a better, um, sibling, a better son. It's just, it makes me better. And I'd be willing to throw all of that away to be in my child's life more. But then this morning I woke up and I had to think, I said, you know what? What would be better? What's the better outcome? Me being in my child's life more and being a piece of shit, being a shithead, uh, being in constant turmoil, being sick, um, constantly exploding, never being in like um, uh, having a joyous moment and being on high alert constantly or the alternative, the moments where I am involved and where I am around, I'm the best absolute father that I can be. And I'm a good person and she sees that and she sees the love and the, the good qualities that I do possess where when I'm in those dark places, they they don't necessarily see those good qualities that we possess. And so, you know what? I'm sticking with the alternative. I'm keeping the farm. I mean, I immediately last night thought about selling it and I couldn't sleep. And I thought, I thought, man, these, these kids will never know what I've gone through and what I do to, To provide and to take care of them. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they don't need to know. So I I guess my, my question is this, where do you stand with your family? Do you get in your own way of your own happiness out of fear of not being there for your family, out of guilt for not being involved with your family and being there every minute, every hour of the day? because i i've talked about this in previous episodes about you have to be selfish and last night i looked adversity in the face when it came to that when i when i was faced with the real truth and i had to had to do some thinking last night and i was like do i continue being selfish for my mental well-being or do i hang all of that up for the better of my family and the answer is no i can't hang it up because my family would not be better they'd be they'd be in a in a worse off position than what that what they are now it makes going on the road very difficult for me um when i know when I know these kids are starting to question me being around but on the flip side of that I'm not a nine to five guy I'm not a corporate guy I don't get to be home every night. this is how I take care of my people you know it's uh and it takes care of me in in return you know being with like minded people across the country helps me and it helps me be be better. And then we gotta you gotta stay the course and we gotta you gotta keep being selfish for the betterment of your family. How about you guys and girls out there, you do you have a career that you love if you're in if you still love the career and you're working the shift work and it pulls you away from your family and you miss holidays, you miss basketball and baseball and whatever sports your kids are into, you know, do you feel like you're missing out on, on their life. And do you feel like you're robbing them of being a good, good parent? Uh, cause that's, that's kind of what I felt like last night, but in the same, in the flip side, if you love what you do, that makes you a better parent in return because w- what do we all want? We all want our children to see us happy. Um, I think it's when they start seeing us unhappy is when we need to start questioning what we're doing. If you're in an unhappy career, uh and you hate going to work and you're constantly bitching about it, they're gonna see that. And that's gonna affect them too. So gotta find that delicate balance. So I'm packing up to go out of town this morning. Uh I was like, you know what, I gotta go by her school because she um she was very upset that I was missing Veterans Day and was comparing it to Christmas. And she's like it's no fair that you can't be with your family on Veterans Day. And it was the sweetest thing ever. And she told me she had a card at school in her desk that she wanted to give to me. So I made a point. I was like, oh, you know what? I'll come by your school tomorrow. So I went by and I'm glad that I did. I, I stopped by and I talked to a second grade class about veterans. Um, we had some fun questions, you know, questions for little kids that you try to, you try to answer. Um, but she made me a card and on the front it says, thank you to dad from Holland. It's pretty. But inside, man, it's, it, it gets me. It says, dear dad, you are the best. You're really good at your job. Thank you for giving us freedom. I know that being a grown-up is hard, but you are really good at it. I love you, Dad. And to hear a seven-year-old tell you that you're good at being a grown-up, I think, honestly, that's probably one of the best compliments I've ever received. Because sometimes I question, am I a good grown-up? The weight of the world gets on my shoulders sometimes, and I start questioning, man, am I doing everything right? Am I doing what I need to be doing? Do the people who depend on me do they feel satisfied? Or are they taken care of? And what it goes back to, it goes to me not taking care of me, me worrying about everybody else, me being the constant provider and protector who's not providing and protecting myself. Um, and I think a lot of us go through that and we're so worried about everyone around us that we don't slow down and take care of ourselves. You know, I, I, I still get really, I feel really guilty sometimes because I I do spend a lot of time at my farm and I spent, that's purposely taking myself away from my family. I'm not in the military. I'm not deployed. I'm not on a job that requires me to be somewhere earning an income for my family. I'm out on my farm just doing goofy shit because it makes me happy. And case in point, I've been out there for a week, uh, getting ready to go on the road here, um, to Indiana next week. And I've just been out there and I start feeling guilty because when I'm out there, I'm usually alone. And I, unless my family's out there and I feel, I feel like I should be home and I feel like I should be there for those dinners. And I feel like I should be there uh, when I miss, when I miss a practice or something. Cause my father never missed a practice. He never missed a game. He got in a bad car wreck that I talk about in my book and he still made it to my game. He was late, but he made it and I'm doing the opposite. Granted, my father and I are a little different and we're cut from the same cloth, but our experiences in life gave us different circumstances and I'm trying to deal with those circumstances. So the issue is, how do we not, how do we not feel guilty for taking care of ourselves? And I I think I'll answer that for you. I don't think you're ever going to not feel guilty. I think that it's just something you're going to have to deal with. And hopefully you have a family that will understand that and hopefully you can communicate with your family to where not only can they understand it, they can accept it, but not just accept it, accept it and, and really accept it. And, um, I guess the word I'm looking for is endorse it and welcome it. If you will, um, accepting is one thing, but graciously accepting it and welcoming it is something else. Uh, and that's 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 got to be difficult for, for a lot of families who, if they have someone who's going through um, post-traumatic stress and, and everything that's associated with it, that's got to be difficult for a family to sit there at the dinner table every single night by themselves without dad or without mom, without whoever the party that's missing is. Because dad or mom can't be there because they're just not well. And that's got to be... I'm not on the other end of that table. I'm not the one sitting there at night with my children while my wife's off at a resort somewhere that she built for herself. And that's, that's where the guilt lies. That's where am I being too selfish comes in. And I've never thought about it from this perspective. I've always thought, Hey, go be selfish. Do what you need to do. People need to understand it. But now when it's when, when a seven-year-old kid is starting to question it, man, I got a lot of questions myself, but I do know the answer already. No matter what the question is, I know the answer. You got to keep doing what you do. Um, just be thankful that you have some, a family, a spouse that supports that. I don't name drop, but I I'm thinking of someone right now who recently I had a conversation with and I can tell his, his wife really supports, uh, where he is and his mental headspace. And I can tell that she'll do anything she can, she can do to help him become a better person as far as his mental wellness goes. And that's just an amazing thing because I also, in the same breath, I know there's spouses out there that make it more difficult. And the second you think about wanting to do something selfish to take care of yourself for the betterment of your family, it's not that it's not that we want to be selfish to say, fuck everybody else. You want to be selfish so you can be better for everybody else, but that's hard to see from the other side. And I can only imagine, I honestly don't think I could do that. I just don't think that I could be a, a, a pretty much a single parent running a home with a spouse who's just kind of in and out whenever they want to be. Uh, it takes a special person to do that. It really does. So if you're in that situation, you need to look at your spouse, if if they're really like helping you out by being there and letting you kind of do what you need to do to take care of you, you, you better be thankful because there are spouses out there who make it absolutely fucking terrible and hard for you to get into the right headspace that you need to get into. I think about, um, I think about the legacy that I'll leave behind. And I think about what my children will say about their father and how they view, how they'll, how they'll view their father down the, down the line. Um, I'm of course, I'm hopeful that we'll always be very close and we can have a relationship like my father and I have, and they'll be able to come to me with anything. But then when you start thinking about, am I never around? That scares me. That scares me thinking about, are they, is that what they're going to think when, when they're older? Oh, well, our dad was just never around. Not realizing why Dad was never around. I guess it doesn't matter to a to a child. It doesn't matter why you weren't there. All that matters is that you weren't fucking there. Um. I think the excuse a lot of us use, and I'm certainly guilty of, is like, well, I have to, I have to be able to provide. Well, just how much do you have to provide? I've I've seen some very happy poor ass kids. I you know I'm one of them. I grew up happy as shit. We didn't have much. But we didn't understand what poor was. We didn't know we were poor. We I only know we were poor because I know now at the things that I have and how we live and I look back on how we grew up. That's that's what I identify with poor. I didn't know we were poor when we were little. I wouldn't even I don't even know if poor, but we just we weren't well off, you know. But my parents worked really hard and they did the best that they could to give us the things that we did have and we didn't you know, we didn't go hungry or anything like that, but as a kid, that's what you think. You don't think about those things. You think about where are my parents and what are they doing? You know, I was fortunate enough to have both my parents in my life when I was young and I'm still, and I still do. And this shit worries me because I'm the kind of person that I want to be the best that I can be at everything. I do everything, including being a father. That's probably the most important job that I have. And I will ever, that's the most important title I'll ever own. Um, and I don't want to fuck that up. So I am second guessing. I'm having second guesses. Who do, who doesn't? I mean, we're, we're human beings, right? We all, we all have sec. We, I think people say the difference. I think the difference is this. You can second guess yourself all day long, but you know where you need to be. You know what you need to do. It's okay to have second guesses. I have people, they, they question themselves all the time. They have doubt we can't let the doubt and the fear control us either. I know we've hit on uh post traumatic stress a lot uh through previous episodes and I think um I want to talk about our behavior around our around our family and around our children, right? Because nobody nobody sees us outside of our homes the way that that our inner circle gets to see us and I remember I remember when my kids were really young that, um, when I was at one of my, one of my most crucial points in time. And I remember thinking, man, if they remember seeing me behave this way, I'm going to be really embarrassed. And then I remember thinking, well, I don't have memories of my parents when I was three and four years old. I just don't remember the memories of them and their behavioral patterns and and conversations. So I thought I might be okay here, but I was aware enough to start putting it in check. Right. And I think, I don't think it's ever too late. I think a lot of people, when they go through things, their children may be a little bit older, so they definitely see mom and dad going through some things and some behavioral pattern changes. Um, the, the, tolls at the trauma that they've been exposed to the tolls from the stress the anxiety the depression and all of this but they learn so much from us from their behavioral patterns and they learn from the things that we say they learn through how we think you know i i can i can tell so we had a kid over here the other day and she started talking politics and i don't do that shit at my house but this kid from a neighborhood was talking her beliefs on politics and she was 10 and I could tell she was, all she was doing was reiterating what the way that her parents talk, what her parents say and how they think. And I talked, I stopped her, and I said, look, and I said, you can come over here and, and have conversations. That's fine. It's okay to have your opinion. I said, but you right now, you're 10 years old. You should worry about being a child and having a good time and having fun, not worrying about which president you hate, which one you like and why. And it made me really think like, man, these kids are really picking up what we're putting down no matter what it is. And that takes me back to secondary trauma exposure and how you can give those around you, um, side effects from your trauma exposure by the way you behave and by the things that you say in your actions. And you know, the one common thing that I get, um, get asked a lot and they're like, did your family walk around on eggshells? And and the statement usually followed by that is because my family is constantly on eggshells because of the way he or she is. And that's a sad fucking thing, man. That's, that breaks my heart because what'll happen is through your actions and your behaviors and your words, because you can't get your own shit under control and you can't manage your own emotions and your own behavior you start fucking up the people that you care the most about. And that old saying, well, we always, we hurt those closest to us is true. And that's exactly what happens. So over time, my kids would, you know, thank goodness they were young. I don't do this anymore. Um, but I would, I remember when they would set me off, one of the things I would always say was these fucking kids and I would just storm out and my wife would have that look on her face. Like Jesus Christ, they can hear you. You're sitting, they're sitting right fucking here. But I couldn't control me because I was so beaten down and I was so broken. And I know better now. And now that I've quasi-healed and I've educated myself and I've learned all these dangerous things that I was doing that would affect my family, I knocked that shit off. And I think it's as simple as hearing it. When you hear it, now you know. And once you know, that's in the palm of your hand. So next time you go to overreact about something... That you would normally overreact to. Think about the people that you're fucking up around you. It's no different than putting them in a dangerous situation. You would never purposely go and put your family in a dangerous situation. People that you care for and, care and that you love. You would never do that intentionally. And that's exactly what we're doing every single time we overreact to something. And we know that that overreaction causes a chemical reaction within them. So think about that now that you've heard these words and now that you know that control your shit when you're around your family members. And when you're around your people go outside, you want to yell, go fucking shove your face in a pillow, you know, somewhere, um, walk outside, but man, don't blast that shit out in front of your kids. Um, cause that's what they're going to grow up remembering. And hopefully my children are, were too young to remember that. And I think, I think I'm doing a better job at wrangling that now. Obviously, I don't think I've raised my voice uh, in a long, 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 long time. Do I still get pissed off? Yeah, of course. I mean, kids do that. They have a way of pushing buttons, but I can't, takes me back to that. You know, if you can let another human being control your reactions to something, you're weak. And I, I try to live by that now. I try to keep my reactions and my emotions in check you ever think back? Sometimes you wish you could be a child again, and you wish you could just go back to a life of no responsibilities and no cares in the world. I don't know, man. I don't know the, the, the answer to that question, but I've I've thought about it often. And you know, I reflect on childhood a lot and I had a great childhood. I don't, I don't have anything to complain about. And I have some people that I know that they they actually hate their childhood. And obviously circumstances are different for them, but I had an amazing childhood and I love reflecting on it. And I, and it makes me think like, man, life was easy when you didn't have responsibilities and you, all you had to worry about was having, having fun. And I was out taking pictures with a guy named Bart one time when I was doing photography, because that's one of the many things I tried when I was really, um, in in a dark place. I I was trying to find anything to make me happy. So I, I bought a camera and I bought an expensive camera and a bunch of wildlife lenses and I threw myself into it and I got pretty good at it. But but just like everything, that fizzled out and that burned out, and uh, I, I couldn't find joy in it anymore. And I was on to the next thing, and then on to the next thing, and on to the next thing, until I really got what I knew I needed, which was my farm. But that's for another story. What I'm getting at is Bart told me something. We were walking through the woods one day, and he said, "You know why adults um are so miserable?" And and I I I don't even know where he was coming from with this. And I said, "No, I don't know why." He goes. Because they forgot how to be a child and they forgot how to be a kid. And and I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, they just forgot how to have fun and to let go of everything in life that doesn't matter. Which takes me back to that episode. It doesn't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. And how true is that? Granted, we have responsibilities and people depend on us. But at the end of the day, man, none of this shit matters. None of this matters. So why is it so hard? Why is it so complicated to actually have a good time and to actually just let loose and laugh and not let the world seem like such a horrible, scary place? And I can answer that with this experience. You see, I think experience in this world is what slowly starts killing the joy and experience with horrific things is what slowly starts killing it for a lot of us and start sucking us dry of any joy and of any hope because we know after a while that that pretend world that you live in starts becoming very real and you start growing apart from the fake world and you all of a sudden find yourself in the real world where at any second bad shit could happen at any second you could be on a scene witnessing someone's last breath or their their worst moment. Shit, it could be your fucking last breath or your worst moment. And we realize that. And then all of a sudden, that big make-believe world is just a thing of the past. I've often said before to my wife, and I was like when looking at our kids, and I'm like, at some point, they stop becoming cute, and then they turn into little assholes you know and i see this with teenagers all the time and i've even seen kids in this neighborhood i remember them when they were little kids they were they were fun to watch that so you could actually talk to them and then at some point that little personality goes away and they're shitheads and it's not cute anymore and i think a lot of times that's that's them evolving into the real world and seeing life for what it really is sometimes but is there a way is there a way to go back to that make believe world where everything was just just no responsibility and just fun? Is there a way I I like to believe that there is and I think there's moments and there's, there's there's glimpses of it, right? And and how I I've done this I sit down when uh when my kids are out doing stuff and I purposely try to remove every worry and every concern that I'm um that I'm having and it it takes a lot of effort because cause you you gotta you gotta shut everything down and when I watch them and I'm watching them play and I try to look at life through their eyes and I try to imagine myself as if I'm I'm right there with them but I'm a kid and whenever they're running around and they're playing and they're doing things and I try to imagine being a kid with them in that moment now I'm too fat and old fucking be out of breath and running around. But there's times where this happens and I'm able to shut it all down for, for, it might even be a few seconds. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, I wasn't always like that. I was always worrying and I would see them and and I was like doing overwatch constantly. And I never tried to live life through their eyes. And now anytime they're around, that's what I I try to make a, um, a cognizant effort every single time to live life through their eyes when they're doing whatever activity they're, they're doing. Yes. Last night, my, my daughter Poppy was at basketball practice and they were fucking it all up, man. And it was just all fucked up. And me over there being the dad, I wanted to be like, Hey, fucking chest bounce. And, and I was, and I was like, you know what? Stop. Like, cause they were trying to do chest bounce passes like from the chest to the floor to their teammate. And I was picturing myself being the, the little boy she was passing it to on the other side. And they were both laughing and having fun. And I was able to remove some of the worry that I had going on and some of the stressors in life for a few minutes in time. And it was a beautiful thing. And I think that's a way that we can become a little bit more healthy. It's I try to, I try to tell people that the more stress you're able to remove from your life, the more healthy obviously you're gonna be. Um that's one of the ways that I haven't really I've never even told anybody this. I've actually never told anybody this. This is the first time I'm ever speaking of it. But I do this with my kids often. And um I was man, it's fun to think about. And actually while I was sitting here thinking about that, I wasn't worrying about about 15 other things that I had going on. So what is a way that what's a way that you can remove stress from your life? It, it even if it's your kids are grown, I think that maybe you can just have a conversation with them, and or go support them doing something that they they like doing. You don't necessarily have, like it, but maybe they like it, and try to take the bad out of why you don't like what they like. Because I see this a lot too. Parents are like, "Well, they're involved in this, and I don't fucking like it." Blah blah. blah. So obviously, I'm I'm not the model parent, but what if you can change your perspective on it and look at things through a different lens? That's, that's what I'm looking for right there. It's like, how do we look at life through a different lens? And my lens is my children's eyes. And I'm, I'm, I'm really seeing that um, I can find a lot of happiness just living life with them and enjoying how they see things and I'm able to see it like they see it for just a short glimpse in time. And then I can go back to my nightmarish ways and seeing all the bullshit that I see. And that's also a way that I try to cure myself of the hypervigilance that I'm that I, that I experience. Um I don't think I don't know that that ever goes away, but I'm able to find small glimpses sometimes when my kids are doing things and I try to inject myself into the activity without injecting myself into the activity. So like if they're out riding bikes in their cul cul-de-sacs and they're laughing and they're giggling and I'm sitting there on overwatch like I do instead of picture myself as a kid on a bicycle with them and in the conversation and having fun. That doesn't mean you got to let your guard down, but it does mean you can take some of that stress out of your life and some of that worry out of your life. I don't know, just food for thought, maybe. I know I'm alone a lot. Um, so like, especially when I travel and a lot of times when I'm at my farm, I, I have breakfast alone. I, I have meals alone, lunch, dinner. I'm just always alone, it seems. And, um, you know, I'm all right with that. It, it, it does get lonely because, you know, you, you would like to have conversation with human beings or something, but sometimes you just don't have it. But I've, I've grown accustomed to it because, you know, when I was on tour with comedy for shit, 13 years, you get used to that stuff. And, with my kids, one of the things that bothers me, and I don't know, you know, I'm sure that a lot of you are phenomenal parents, right? But one of the things that um, I, I found myself doing, even when I was home was isolating. And what that meant was, and a lot of this was because of stuff that I had experienced and the way that I was, and I just didn't like people around me, no matter who it was. I would isolate myself from dinner. I would isolate myself from uh, breakfast, even a snack. And it's one thing I've really worked on is when I'm around my kids and I see them eating, I I try to go over there and sit down and have my meal with them. Uh, I know this makes me sound horrible, but it's not like I avoid them because that's not what I'm saying is case in point. Last night, um, we got home late from, from basketball and uh, poppy was sitting down and we, we ended up getting Chinese food and she was sitting there at the table eating. And I immediately wanted to go sit at my table, turn on the TV. And that would have meant poppy would have been sitting by herself. And I, I didn't, I said, fuck that. I've turned off the TV and I went over there and I sat with her and, um, same thing for breakfast this morning. She was sitting there having breakfast by herself while everybody was getting ready. And I just went and sat with her and, and made some oatmeal. And I said, can I sit with you? And she said, yes, sir. And then I sat down and we had breakfast together. And I think it's just little things like that, especially with our children that we can work on bonding with them. Um, and I think it's little things that we neglect and we take for granted. It's a simple meal, just sitting down with somebody, having, having that intimacy with them while we're breaking bread, you know, and just the little conversations that can happen. Uh, But like I say, by no means am I trying to give parenting advice, but I know my shortcomings as a father and I know what I went through and what I'm trying to move far away from as I learn more about myself. And, you know, because the things that we go through and these behavioral traits that we take on over the years, what happens is the patterns and the, in the behaviors, they just become normal over time. And we don't even realize that we're self-isolating We don't realize that we're letting our, our family eat by themselves or go on walks with the dogs by themselves. It just slowly starts happening until you are just no longer really involved in anything other than being a face around your home. And that's, that's what I went through for, for a long period of time. And so now I really try to make a conscious effort of what I'm doing around the house and how I'm being perceived by my children. Obviously I want them you know, I sit here and say I don't give a fuck what people think, but there are there are there are a few people that their opinion really does fucking matter, let's just face it. And I know that you have people that you admire their opinion and you you certainly care what they think about you and and who you are and who you're becoming. Let them see your triumphs, you know. Um even if even if you failed at turns, let them see that, but let them see the growth from that. Let them see that their mom or their dad, they can turn it all around. You know, failure happens, right? But failure doesn't have to be a constant. Without failures, there would be no winning, right? There'd be no winners if there weren't losers. So it takes losing in order to win. And I think we're the perfect models for that for our children. They got to see us lose. They got to see us win. I mean, if we're always on top, What do they think the world's going to be? They're going to probably think that it's, everything's going to be easy, right? I'm not trying to hide who I am from my children. I'm not trying to hide my, my ugly past from them. They need to know that their father was flat on his face. They need to know that he was in a fucking hole that he didn't, he couldn't find a way out, but he had to create it for himself and it's okay to let them see that. But what's not okay is to let them see that that's permanent. We need to show them that we're triumphant. Because who do you think the model is going to be when they're in that place later in life? We can't shield them from this world for for, forever. You're the model. They need to be able to think back, you know what? How did my dad get out of that hole that he was in? Did he use alcohol? Did he use cocaine? Did he use a substance to to do that? Yeah, he did and it fucked his life up even worse. And he actually didn't get out of that hole and he dug it deeper. That's who they're going to emulate. Or they can say, what did my mom do when she was at her worst? Did she use cocaine and did she resort to alcohol? She did for a brief time. But then she she kicked that shit. She got rid of it. She stopped making excuses for herself and her situation and she fucking fixed it. And she's the strongest woman that I know. And what do you think that's going to do for a child? They need to see that. That's why it's important in sports. When we say, don't be a sore loser, fucking lose, get it, get it, make know what it feels like, but don't sit there and lose and feel sorry for yourself. That's what, that's what all this is. That's what sore losing is. In the adult world, a sore loser is feeling sorry for yourself for fucking being a loser. Well, you know what? Be a loser for a little bit. Lose. Feel it. But fucking get passionate from it. And learn from it. And be resilient because of it. Other people are watching. Other people depend on us. Other people are going to use us as their model on how to move forward. Be that model on how to move forward. Don't be that model on how to get knocked down and stay the fuck down. Thank y'all for uh, tuning in to episode 44. I can't thank you enough for the support. Y'all mean the world. Thank you so much. Have a great one.